0: Hello and welcome into to BTN's Take 10 Podcast. This is Alex BTN.com. And this is another spring episode of the Take 10 Podcast. And depending on where you live, you might have noticed that the weather is kind of finally evening out for most of us. We're putting that hellish winter in the rearview mirror, hopefully. Fingers crossed for good. Especially here in Chicago, you can kind of sense that summertime shies around the corner. So uh, that's, a, that's a good sign. And with spring here at BTN... Things kind of get a little lighter. Obviously, we still have a lot to pay attention to with the NFL draft that, that just happened and a lot of Big Ten players got selected, but football and basketball seasons are well in the rearview mirror now, and uh, spring sports will wrap up here at the end of May. So one thing we do to keep busy is we've been doing this for about a year and a half now is bring in former Big Ten athletes to re-watch some of their old games on our Facebook Live channel and what we'll do is we'll cut down some of the games that a former athlete starred in and if you follow me on twitter and you follow btn on facebook or twitter you've probably seen these before uh we'll cut down a the game they start in and have them sit down I'll, I'll host it and kind of prompt the the guests to re-watch and relive the games that uh they start in so it's a cool experience for for me especially and then uh usually the Former athlete finds it cool as well to kind of rewatch those games, and then the fans can interact on Facebook Live as well. So, we did that this past week with AJ Eads, a former Iowa linebacker. We rewatched a couple of old Iowa football games in 2009 that Eads took part in. That was a special season for Iowa, and a couple of big wins with exciting finishes we were able to sit down and reminisce on. Uh, and AJ kind of took us through those games. So, since he was in studio, I, I definitely wanted to pick his brain a little more, get him on the podcast, and, and kind of talk beyond those games uh obviously facebook live was great to get into those games but i wanted to kind of get into his background and he was a player that was drafted in the nfl draft and get his experience being drafted especially uh with it being timely right now and we weren't able to do it on the day he was in studio but i was able to call him a couple days after that and have about a 30-minute conversation for this take 10 podcast so aj eads is this episode's guest Great guy. He actually works in Big Ten Sports Administration now um, over in Rosemont. So he called over from actually Baltimore where the Big Ten Golf Championship was going on this past weekend. And we had a a good discussion about Iowa football, his path, his career, his current role with the Big Ten Conference. And um, we'll get to that discussion in just a second. First, before we get to that, just a couple of reminders that we always get to here on the Take 10 podcast. First, if you're streaming this right now on SoundCloud or wherever, feel free to subscribe to the Take 10 Podcast, where it's found on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Podbean. And uh, feel free to leave a rating or review as well if you like the show. That is much appreciated. Second reminder as always, we have a promo code going on on the btn.com online store. Through this Take 10 Podcast, you can take 10% off your order on that btn.com online shop. Go to btn.com, click the shop or store tab, and use the promo code, coupon code, take 10, that's capital T-A-K-E, number one and zero, Let's take 10% off any order on the btn.com online store. Plenty of good stuff to be found over there. All right, so with those reminders out of the way, let's get to my discussion with former Iowa linebacker A.J. Eads. That discussion starts right now. Very pleased to be joined by former Iowa Hawkeyes linebacker playing the NFL as well, and he was in the studio with me just the other day recording a Facebook Live. It's AJ Eads. AJ, welcome in, man. How's it going,
1: Alex? I'm doing well, buddy. Thanks for having me on again. Looking forward to it
0: for sure. Uh, so, like I mentioned, we did a Facebook Live the other day. We watched a couple of old Iowa games that you played in during the old glory days. Kind of reminisced a little bit, and uh, you're were, you're were pretty excited. But you also mentioned you didn't miss football. So uh, let me know what what went into that statement. Do you do you you missed a you know, watching the games, but you didn't miss the actual sport itself. Is that is that accurate?
1: Yeah, I mean, I miss the camaraderie. I miss the bonding. I miss the relationships, the opportunity to get out there and compete and kind of quench that competitive desire. Um, that part I do miss. What I don't miss is the wear and tear, um, the physical nature of what the sport of football is, uh, especially at the professional level. I don't miss the, the day-to-day and stress level of of knowing that it's a business and to be honest, you're only about as good as your most recent body of work. Now, at least that was my that was my experience. Had I been a better football player as a professional, um, some of those concerns might have been a little bit different. But at least for my circumstance, um, knowing that you know if I had a handful of bad days or a bad week in succession, that you know my leash was not that long. So that part I certainly don't miss. Um, the the unknown, sort of the uh, the ambiguity of of what tomorrow holds and to be honest, there was a few times where, um, you know, I was kind of the culprit or caught, caught up in the numbers game of professional football, with rosters and salary caps and some of those sort of um, decisions that get made. So, that part I don't miss at all. Uh, like I said, the, the, some of the stuff that you see off the field and the feeling of winning a ball game after after putting in a week or an off season or whatever the case may be of, of work. Those are the things that you can't replicate and you can't go out and really do a whole lot else. At least I haven't been able to to do anything else that really satisfies some of those desires the same way. Um, so that was that was really as much of the reasoning as any to say I don't miss football. Not a completely true statement, but I certainly don't miss, you know, waking up and having a sore neck and, and having knees that are sore and, you know, worrying if, if I'm gonna separate a shoulder at practice today and some of those types of things. So that's kind of a a yes-no answer that hopefully that kind of makes sense.
0: Yeah, for sure. And it's been about eight years since you left the Iowa campus, a few years since you retired from the NFL. Take me through what's happened since you retired from football completely. I know you have a role with the Big Ten Conference now. Tell me about that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So my last year was 2015 playing pro football. Um, Took a little time really just for myself for the first time. Uh, as an adult in a professional capacity, I didn't have a schedule. I didn't really have um, a place to be every day. And and since I had never really had that opportunity to just kind of press press reset and kind of go back to square one of, um, you know, kind of taking it a day at a time, I took a little time to just, um, you know, heal up and, and kind of do some of the things that as a student athlete at the collegiate and professional level, I never really had a chance to do. So I did that. I was back in the Indianapolis area, so it was nice to be around friends and family. Got working uh, in a professional capacity after a little time of just kind of uh, you know getting getting caught up on on where I needed to be mentally as much as anything before heading into the professional workforce, and I was working for a startup in a sales capacity, and did that for a little while and before too long it kind of dawned on me I didn't really want to devote my life to a sales type of role knew um, really all along ever since my time on campus in Iowa City that. The idea of working in administration at the collegiate level was something that definitely appealed to me. And, and, and I took an opportunity to work in the, in the private sector. Like I said, it didn't, didn't really get me that excited after, after the initial rush kind of wore off of a new opportunity. So I started looking around and really evaluating in my own mind what I enjoyed doing and where I thought I had a skill set where I could lend some value. And pretty quickly, um, all signs started to point towards working with um, sports, and really within that, working within um, the collegiate uh, atmosphere of, of um, competition, and working with student athletes, and being a part of that. So, uh, started open, keeping my eyes peeled. Really, probably I guess around the start of 2017, and uh, was by no means unhappy with my old position, my previous position rather. And so I was not desperate, and I, I knew that. Um, I'm a pretty big believer of things happening and timing and all that for a reason. And things happen right on time the way they're supposed to. So I had an inkling that, that the right opportunity would come along when it was meant to be. And that's exactly what happened with the opportunity at the conference. I, I, um, The opportunity presented itself um, at the Big Ten conference office. And I felt like that was one that I really wanted to pursue and really wanted to go after and kind of pushed all my chips into the middle of the table to go after that opportunity. And things worked out. Um, And I've been up and running at the conference since October. So, you know, the honeymoon is over and the training wheels are off, but there's still a lot of learning and a lot of opportunities to, to be exposed to things for the first time. And that's what I really enjoy about it is that there's no two days that are exactly identical. The opportunity to work with head coaches and administrators on all 14 of our campuses is exciting. You never know what kind of emails or phone calls you're gonna, you're gonna have when you come into the office in the mornings. And so that part of it, keeping me on my toes is really intriguing. Um, I like being a part of the solution, whether it's questions or issues or concerns coming in from our constituency with the 14 schools, being able to be a part of, um, helping them put their best foot forward so that ultimately they can help their student athletes put their best foot forward and perform at a high level, do well in the classroom and do all those sorts of things is what I enjoy about the work itself. So in addition to that, I'm also in grad school in the evenings at Northwestern, um, one night a week, so it's not too heavy lifting. It's just enough to, to keep me out of trouble and get some stuff done in addition to working full-time. So uh, it's exciting. You know, it's it's a good time for me. It's kind of still relatively early on in my career, and I feel like I'm in a good place to offer value, but at the same time still be uh, just new enough that I'm, I'm learning every day and just trying to be a part of the solution and be a resource to everybody that I'm working with, whether it's administrators Coaches, coworkers in the office, whatever the case may be, just trying to be a resource so that uh, we can all, at the end of the day, be proud of the work that we're doing and 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 just be be part of that Big Ten family of, of success and continuing to to be. I'm kind of biased, but towards the uh, towards the head of the pack and the college landscape of of um, collegiate competition and what student athletes get out of their experience at the college level. Sure.
0: And now your your title is assistant director of sports administration. The Big Ten Conference, you're actually out in Baltimore at the Big Ten Golf Championships right now, so that's a pretty prime example of what they got you doing over there,
1: right? Exactly right, yeah. You hit the nail on the head with my title and um, everything on on the the logistics side, and part of that is um, working with our Olympic sports, so everything but football and basketball, which, to be honest, I love. I I know a lot about football, having spent a lot of time uh, in that capacity, I know a decent amount about basketball, having grown up in the state of Indiana and playing high school basketball and, and knowing that um, a lot of the ideals and, and things that are important to football are carry over, and they're important to basketball. So an opportunity to work with some of the less um, uh, marquee sports, I guess, for lack of a better term, is something that I actively was looking to do. And so what I'm doing at the conference, I am our, I lay, I am our liaison, To a handful of our Olympic sports, with men's golf being one of them. And as you alluded to, our men's championships are this week at the Baltimore Country Club. And I'm uh, sitting here on the back lawn right now, and the place is absolutely gorgeous. Uh, The folks here at Baltimore are tremendous hosts. And so, uh, men's golf is one of my sports. I will be doing the same thing with our head wrestling coaches our field hockey coaches, our women's swimming and diving coaches, and I also work as our ice hockey tournament director. So it's a full plate, but I love it. As I, as I kind of mentioned a minute ago, it's something new every day, and the things that are concerns and are, are paramount to the golf coaches may not even be on the radar for the wrestling coaches and vice versa. So it's a great opportunity to really dig into what those guys deem um, and gals with uh, the wrestling, field hockey, and swimming coaches what the coaches groups deem to be important and things worth kind of digging in and fighting for and things that at the end of the day that they can kind of, uh, uh, you know, just defer to me and defer to us at the conference on making the best decision possible. So it's, uh, it's a tremendous opportunity to just learn and, and gain some acumen in sports that, in all honesty, I didn't have a whole lot of experience with prior to joining uh, at the conference office so I love it it's fun it's a chance to to really get to to get to know some of the some of the coaches on a personal level and then I really enjoy being on site for the championships and being able to see the student athletes compete and watch them put their their Uh, body of work after the course of a season you know hopefully um, into its into its best level or its highest level at the conference championships and and send them off to the NCAA competitions on a high note and and watch them compete and represent everybody at that level as well. Absolutely
0: sounds like a good gig and uh, you mentioned your background growing up in in Indiana so I want to back it up to there a little bit. Uh, You grew up near Indy in, in Greenwood, Indiana so I know you mentioned when we chatted the other day um, that Coach Ferrance was a huge influence on your decision to go to Iowa. What else led you to, to Iowa and led you out of state um, as a kid growing up in Indiana?
1: Yeah, good question. I mean, the number one thing that I was really focused on during recruiting was going to play for a coach that was going to be there for the duration of my time. And whether that was four or five years, it ended up being four for me. But initially, I was planning on that number being five. And nobody has a crystal ball. But that was a question that of the schools I was pretty serious about where I took my official visits and places that were um, finalists in my mind, those were questions that I asked of the staff, at least the head coach, was, you know, do you envision yourself being here for the next four to five years? And um had a, a varying level of, of honesty and genuineness that, you know, you kind of tell with Coach Ferentz that was genuine. And the, opportunity, the fact that Coach had had opportunities to go to the NFL – um at length for the last four or five, six years before I got to Iowa City and he had not taken any of those opportunities. He had, he had politely declined all of those, those offers that had been, that had been put in front of him it was enough for me to know that in all likelihood he was going to continue to, to stay in Iowa City. And he told me as much. He said, you know, I can't, can't put it in writing because no one knows the future, but I can tell you that I'm happy here and my family's here and we enjoy Iowa City and we don't have any plans of leaving. And fast forward, like you said, eight years and Coach Ferentz is the longest tenured guy in the country, and, and that's not a, an accident. I mean, the people of Iowa City respect what he's been able to do for the program, the kind of guys that he produces from the program as ambassadors, not just for Iowa football, but for the university as a whole, and on the global or uh, national level, of the state of Iowa. Um, so, that 's something that I was certainly focused on and, and wanted to know where folks stood and whenever I was coming out, so that instantly put Coach Ferentz and the University of Iowa at the leader of the pack for me and then just other nuances. I wanted to go to a program that had a business school, I wanted to go to a place that might um, have a chance to contribute and play and, and be on a good football team, and then ultimately, I wanted to go to a place where if, if things didn't work out and I wasn't much of a ball player, I would still feel like I was part of the team and there was still a concern about my well-being as a student athlete, even if I wasn't a starter and I wasn't a guy that was going to go on to the next level. So those all culminated nicely for me uh, with the University of Iowa and with Coach Ference and uh, Coach Chris Doyle, our strength coach, just the mindset and the mantra of really you get in what you, what you get out, what you put in at the University of Iowa. And I think anybody that's come through that program would agree that there's not a whole lot of gimmies, and there's not much just being handed out. Everybody that's that's come through the program has, has had to work for it and has had to, to go out and win a position and has had to fight off guys that are just as hungry as they are. So it's, it's, the competition was there. I saw it during spring ball. I saw it during um, the games when I was on the sideline watching guys just go about their craft as a high school junior and senior, I knew what, I had an idea, rather, of what I was getting into, and that really appealed to me, that um, nobody just shows up on day one and has a spot, everybody, everybody has to show up and fight and and claw, and and you get what what you earn, and that's, that's always been something that I've prided myself on, being a part of, of success in that sort of climate, so those things all came together nicely, I know my parents were on Coach Ferentz's uh, bandwagon after about five minutes of meeting the guy, and uh, it didn't take me long either to know that he was the kind of kind of coach and the kind of guy that I wanted to spend my time around at the college level.
0: All right, well said. And uh, by the time you were junior and senior at Iowa, I mean you had some decent years in your first couple of years, but by the time you were an upperclassman, you had a really stingy defense led by uh, led by Norm Parker. So how did how did he shape that group of uh, defenders that, as you see now, are a lot of them still in the NFL and, and like yourself were drafted in the NFL?
1: Yeah, six seconds of hell, baby. That was Norm's mantra for us in '08 or 09 was play through the whistle. Some plays are 10 seconds. Some plays are two seconds, you know, and it's if you give it six seconds on average of running to the ball, getting off a block, um, you know, doing what you have to do and just fight, 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 and not knowing if it's going to be the play that makes a difference in the game. And like we watched, and you and I, Alex, watching the Facebook Live stuff, you never know when that play is going to come, and that's something that, uh, ever since I was a, a young guy, my dad and my coaches preached, just be ready for opportunity. You never know when it's going to come. And more often than not, it's, it's when you think it's not happening that opportunity kind of comes at the door. And if you're not ready, then you're absolutely not going to have anything to do to – to, uh, to make a play and take advantage of it. But if you put the time in and, and you and – another mantra for us at Iowa is break the rock. And it's not the, the first or second or third time you hit the rock. It's that thousandth time, and it's not the thousandth blow. It's the culmination of the effort put in. And that's that's kind of the same idea of just six seconds of hell from Norm is, you know, we, I can't tell you when, I can't tell you where, I can't tell you how, but I can promise you that if you don't put the time in, it's not going to work. And, you know, there's no promises. You can put everything in and do it the right way and it still might not work out for us. But, um, you know, I can tell you that if we do it the right way, all 11 of us buy in together, that, um, you know, there's a, there's a real nice opportunity for things to line up for us. And it's funny how lucky you get whenever you, you have some talent and you work hard and you put the time in. So that all, that all showed itself, uh, in 08. Certainly the writing was on the wall. Mitch King, Matt Kroll, we had some upperclassmen that when they departed and went on to the next level, um we had some guys step up and and fill some spots that were vacated and we got rolling pretty quick in 09 and we got hot our offense we had some horses on that side of the ball as well guys that we knew if we got them the ball late in the game with a lead that we were safe and that they would take care of it and, and kind of put a bow on things to wrap up the game for us so we had a real nice team i mean top to bottom we were well coached we worked hard we had a mature group of guys who knew how to practice coach put his trust in us he put a lot of responsibility in our hands, and um, I think we did a good job of responding to the challenges they gave us while also um, being mature enough to know that if if Coach threw us a bone that, you know, we couldn't take advantage of it but enjoy it but still at the same time prepare and get ready for the next challenge coming our way. So it was, it was, it was a tremendous group to be around. It was a ton of fun. Winning those games, whether it's a close game or a game you win handily going away. I mean, the, the feeling in the locker room after a win is it's it's hard to put into words. And it's something that you wouldn't trade for the world having been there and done it. So um, that, that 09 group is special. And it's guys that, you know, I'll call best friends for the rest of my life.
0: For sure. And you obviously wrapped up a nice career at Iowa with a uh, win in the Orange Bowl. You were 11-2 and two as a senior, so not a bad way to, to cap it off at all. And then you went to the NFL draft, and that's a topic right now that's uh, um, you know popular in, in sports talk because it's going on. We just saw the first round yesterday, and uh, we've got a couple of rounds. And by the time this comes out, it'll be uh, another one in the books. So I want to ask you a little bit about your experience with the NFL draft. If my research is correct, you were a mid-round guy, uh, pick 119 in round four. So if you flash back to you know eight years ago during this time, first of all, before the draft what's kind of that preparation like of, of not knowing which direction your life's about to fork off into?
1: Yeah. You, I mean, you hit, you, you, you hit it square on the head of not knowing. I mean, there's just so much unknown. I mean, you hear what all these, 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 these experts saying all these guys that cook up with, Hey, your, your guy's draft value is X, X through Z. And it's like, well, how do you know, man, you're not, you're not in anybody's, I can guarantee you're not in Bill Belichick's, his war room of, you know, kind of his big board of where guys stand. So, I was always pretty leery of buying into so-and-so on the internet or so-and-so on TV says that, you know, AJ's draft value is here. Even talking to my agent, you know, he's like, hey, this is this is probably where you're going to go. But, you know, I've seen guys that projections are way off. They, either way, you could go a lot earlier or worst case scenario, you could go undrafted. And um there were a few guys that I played with at Iowa that were projected to go pretty early and they slipped and they ended up not getting drafted and vice versa, guys that – kind of came out of nowhere and were second day, uh, or even first day, not necessarily first, but second or early third day picks that nobody really necessarily had projected as draftees. So I was pretty cognizant of just staying level and staying even keeled, um, kind of a Kirk Ferentz leadership role there, or uh, example rather, of just staying, staying level and don't get too fired up one way or the other about things that are out of your control and that's exactly how I saw it. The body of work I put on film, the combine senior day or uh, yeah senior day, the senior bowl, some of those things that was my resume and the two or three days leading up to the draft nothing was going to change. Um, so I, I stayed pretty relaxed. I never really got too antsy um i knew i was probably going to be a third day guy knowing that like you said i was a fourth round pick which fourth round starts on day three i didn't think i was a third round draft pick um, and it turned out that was exactly right so everything kind of came to a head pretty early on sunday morning and the only time that i ever really got a little anxious was when there were some guys that got drafted directly ahead of me, two, three spots ahead of me, that I just felt like I was a better player than they were. I felt like I had a a better body of work. I had more upside. I had more intangibles in my favor. And some guys started getting drafted ahead of me. So those were the only times that I – Ever really had any feelings of you know hey is this is are these guys seeing something maybe i'm not you know is there an opportunity that this whole thing might go by the wayside and I might be on the outside looking in so luckily those those thoughts were fleeting as Miami called um, not long thereafter and um, the rest is kind of history so to speak, and started my career in miami so it was the, the draft process was it was tremendously exciting it was fun it's, it's as a young man it's, it's a nice opportunity to it's really, I mean, you're at the discretion of, of who picks you up, and you really start a new chapter of your life in a new community, uh, knowing that you, you're only you're only going to be there as long as you're contributing and you're a valuable member of that club. So that's that's part of the business mindset. You hear folks talk about it's a business, and you know it's hard to understand that until you're there, and some of those things, and and that's uh, that was something that dawned on me pretty quickly. Is, um, you know, they might like you a lot, and they drafted you for a reason. But if you're not going to help them win football games, then they're not just going to put up with you just because they like you and you're you're a nice guy to sit around and talk to. They want guys that are going to help them win football games, and uh, you know that was kind of something that uh, every stop I had along the way was that was the one constant. If you're not if you're not helping be part of the solution, then your time is generally pretty short playing uh, for a particular club or a collection of clubs in the NFL. So once you were picked
0: uh, and Miami did select you, take me through that kind of whirlwind of the next week or so. Obviously, you've got to get down to Miami and do the press conferences and all that, but what is that next few days, next week? What goes into that?
1: Yeah, so I actually was finishing my degree the whole time. I stayed on campus in Iowa City. I trained with uh, Coach Doyle. I did all my visits and so forth around my class schedule, which not a whole lot of guys do. Um, since I re- did not redshirt, I was on a four-year plan to graduate. Um, so that second semester, I did miss a little bit of class time due to some of the some of the uh, obligations, getting ready for the draft, had some workouts and some things I just flat out um, had to get done if I wanted to set myself up for the best chance of success. So I actually got drafted on a Sunday and was back in class in Iowa City on a Monday. So I drove back from Iowa City, or excuse me, from Indianapolis, back to Iowa City Sunday night, um, and was in classroom Monday afternoon, and it was funny, one of my professors was like, what are you doing here? Why are you in my class right now? <laughs> you just got picked by the Dolphins. Why aren't you in Florida? So um, it was certainly much like it is right now. It was almost finals week, so I didn't have much time left to get the, the degree wrapped up, um, but I did stay. I finished up my degree. I did not go to graduation. The first day of uh, rookie minicamp was on our graduation day, so I did not walk, which caveat to this i did not walk at my high school graduation either because that was the date of our regional track meet and had i not run in the regional i would not have been able to qualify for the state track meet so i was not going to miss that so i've actually never gone through a graduation process whether high school or college so being in grad school whenever the time comes i'll I'll be able to go through one and actually say hey you know it's probably the one i wanted to go to the most until we call Um, you for another facebook live and you got to ditch that too exactly we'll we'll stream it live when I'm walking across the stage <laughs> so uh, yeah i finished up everything in iowa city um got down to to miami for rookie mini camp and really hit the ground running i mean it was it was five workouts in 3 days um just the rookies and it was it was i guess probably about 40 of us and they only keep 15 the draft picks and then a handful of uh, unsigned free agents that, that are guys that they deemed worthy of keeping around for training camp and then we went into summer OTAs, so organized team activities, which is the NFL's version of spring ball. So we did that and started rolling up, where uh, rolling into OTAs about a week after rookie training camp. So, or excuse me, rookie mini camp. So it was it was exciting. I mean, it was a whirlwind. I mean, you're trying to. You're trying to figure out where the locker room is where the cafeteria is where's the practice field who's my coach who are my teammates you know where do I go to uh, where do I go to to uh, get my my shoes and my helmet my equipment and all that kind of stuff and you're trying to figure out where you're gonna live uh, mm-hmm. you know hey my car is in Iowa City how am I going to get around so it's it's just a lot of details that you know it's easy to kind of just keep your head down and focus on the football part um, and let some of those other details take care of themselves but it's certainly a lot of moving pieces. That um, if you focus on the wrong stuff, it doesn't take too long to realize you're turned around. And the details of why you're there in the first place, the football and the outcome of your of your competition, is is being neglected. And I saw guys that got too worried about what kind of car they were driving, what kind of house they were going to live in, you know, what they were doing after practice, where they were going to go, how they were going to how they were going to get all the all the uh, you know kind of window dressing things taken care of rather than just going about their body of work that they were really there to do in the first place. So um, it, was, it was a lot of stuff going on, but it was exciting. You know, it's, it was a fun time to, to be in a new place, to be in a, a new environment. We had just played in the Orange Bowl down there in Miami, so I was feeling good about the last time I was down in southern Florida and the, and the outcome of that experience. So it was tremendously uh, um, exciting to be in a place where, you know, and as a draft pick, you know, you get a certain amount of attention from the coaching staff and the uh, the, uh, the decision makers in the head office, the front office of, hey, we're, we we picked you, you know, we didn't pick the guy next to you, we didn't pick the guy that's that's backing you up, we picked you and we have a plan for you and we want to see you perform, we don't really, you know, want to see what the guy behind you does, we're here to see how you do. So that was, it was it was a nice dose of reality every day when you walk out and Bill Parcells is sitting there with his clipboard and taking notes and you know, he talks to you after work or after practice and he's not calling you EADS or, you know, A49. It's AJ, how you doing? You know, how's the adjustment? You know, how's the, how's the, uh, how's the change or everything going? So it was, uh, it was fun. I loved it. It was, it was great. The competition was unra- unmatched you know, going out every day and competing with, you know, guys playing in the Pro Bowl. So it was, it was, uh, it was a great test of, you know, kind of checking your ego at the door and then pressing reset with a new group of guys on a team and, and just going out and trying to get it done.
0: Alright, and it sounds like you weren't too much into the uh the, the glamorous side of the NFL, at least at first, but I gotta ask what was your first big purchase when that direct deposit hit for the first time?
1: Uh, you know, I was pretty good. I uh I got a used truck, I drove a used avalanche, um, which I loved. It was a big truck, It was probably too big for me, just one guy driving around a truck that you could put a small battalion into. Um, nothing really over the top. I, you know, I just kinda more more uh, you know, kinda go out and eat some dinner and, you know, just you 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 little have a little bit more uh, kind of freedom with hey yeah sure an I'll get the this time yeah you know, I'll get the T-bone too maybe next so, to exactly exactly you know you kind of have a little bit more leeway with uh, you know hey let's split the check whatever we're close we're even we'll just cut it up so uh, you know you got to be careful on that stuff you can't let it get away from you but um, I didn't really have any one single thing where I was like oh yeah I'm gonna go after this this is something I really had my eye on which you know I guess buying a vehicle certainly checks that box but it wasn't like I went out and bought a Ferrari or anything like that. So, um, you know, I'd, I'd like to think I was I was relatively civilized about how I went things and went about things. And, um, you know, I guess, you know, it kind of depends who you ask. It's all relevant. But, uh, um, you know, nothing. I didn't buy a house or go out and, and get a chain or anything like that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right. Well, no chain, but you got a. Uh good career to look back on and a, a good job now and I won't take up any more of your time because I've been very generous with it this week AJ with us and I uh, appreciate you calling in and enjoy Baltimore and uh enjoy the summer as, as things kind of slow down here
1: thanks Alex I appreciate it man anytime you want to have me on I'm available it's been fun and uh have a good one man and I'll talk to you soon
0: all right thanks again to AJ for joining me super nice guy Uh, had a lot of fun talking to him got a lot of good insight real down to earth dude and uh, as you can tell by his uh, draft or post draft NFL purchases real down to earth humble guy and it was uh, fun chopping it up with him definitely will uh, do some more stuff with him on social media digital media here at BTN going forward but until then until the next Take 10 episode I want to thank everyone out there for listening I want to thank Wes White as always for producing Again, keep, uh, keep following along, subscribe to the show to make it easier. And uh, we'll continue to put some good stuff out for you this spring and into into the summer here. You know, BTN gets a lot slower in the summer. We, we do a lot less TV shows. And obviously the events pretty much disappear with no sports going on. But uh, we'll keep, it, keep the episodes coming for you here on the Take 10 Podcast. So uh, don't go away. Keep it locked. All right. Thanks again to everyone. And we will talk to you next time here on the Take 10 Podcast.